Thanks for tuning into the Foundry Church Podcast, where our mission is to make disciples by guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. In this episode, Pastor Andrew starts peeling the onion of our newest series, Spent. Jesus in the New Testament makes more references to money and possessions and how we use these resources than he does faith, which means it's important to God how we spend our money. This week, we heard some hard truths about how we must surrender even our wallets if we are to serve Jesus as Lord. God bless. Hey, fun things are happening, cool things are happening. God's blessing is upon us in unimaginable imag- ways. You know, there, there, are, um, there are, are churches that we partner with in this community right now who are hiring um, babysitting services just to, to sit with the kids, not, not to dis- help the parents disciple, not to teach anything, but because they're a babysitting service. Um, you know, and so God's moving and he's, he's, he's leading us in a direction that is, it calls us to a deeper dependence upon him. Like if we, if we don't have, if the, if the things that God is calling us as individuals and as a church doesn't force us to our knees, I don't know if it's worth pursuing, right? If we're not like, oh crud, that scares me. Oh, no, like what, you know, right? And that's what God's doing. God's blessing is upon this church. I'm just so thankful uh, to be a part of it and uh, to have everybody, all of you guys, weekly rolling up your sleeves and uh, stepping into the, the will that God has for you, whether, whether it's like Carol back there in the booth or Danny uh, pushing buttons, I don't know, Danny doing his thing, everybody sitting with the kids in the nursery, hanging out with them, just everybody, right? I, uh, this uh, Kirsten is not here today, and I forgot. I was like, she, she's sick, and she was texting me all weekend, like, hey, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do this. And I was like, well, you, you told Terry, right? Like, <laughs> Terry's going to be here, right? <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, when we, when we first, four years ago, when we first replied, I was like, I did all this stuff. I did everything before service started. And I was like, I could do it. And then I get down there, I'm like, wait a minute. How do I make coffee? I forgot. Or, or like, how many bagels are we supposed to get? Or, I forget, because we are all being the hands and the feet of Jesus each and every Sunday. And that's what's cool. And that's, that's remarkable to see that and to experience that and to continue to experience that. I'm going to get off my soapbox because we're starting a new series of sermons today that we're calling Spent. Now, we chose that name because we're going to be focusing just on a particular uh, verse from the Bible that will serve as the theme uh, for this series for the next three weeks. All right, so, so three weeks, and then we start Christmas. All right, the real cool sermon series. But the verse that we're going to be looking at for the next three weeks, or in part looking at for the next three weeks, is Proverbs 13, 7. And it simply says this, one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. And then it says, another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Now, there is nothing better to illustrate this uh, verse than this particular video, this commercial you may remember from back in the day. Let's, Let's watch it here real quick. We have it. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four bedroom house in a great community. Like my car? 
It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. All right, you may remember that commercial, and you might be thinking, all right, Andrew, why are we talking about debt or finances or even money in the church? And listen, the New Testament speaks more about finances, giving, uh, money, than it does about faith, all right? So it's an important aspect, an important part of, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who are forging our life on God, to make sure that we're forging our life on God from top to bottom and including the wallet, right? And so that is why we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. Now, Foundry Church, like the guy in the video, the absolute vast majority of people in this area, Northern Virginia, uh, America, right? We, we have lots and lots of stuff, but it's all finance, right? Just, just like the guy in the video, right? We're, we're in debt up to our eyeballs like Stanley Johnson, right? The, the cars we drive, they, we don't actually own those cars. Who owns them? The bank owns them, right? The, the vacations that are taken, uh, we don't actually pay for those. We put them on a, a, a credit card and then we pay for them two, three years later with interest when we pay back that credit card. Right, the, the homes, the, the clothes, right? In, in this area, in, in America as a whole, very few people actually own anything. Right? Well, well, in this sermon, today especially, in this beginning of this series, I'm going to challenge us to do two things. The first is, is to get a little angry, right? And, and then to get a little weird. All right, I want us to get angry, and then I want us to get weird, right? We're going to challenge you to get angry about debt because it's suffocating, right? Jesus, in the book of Matthew, even says, like, you can't serve two masters, right? You, you can't love both God and money, right? And debt, right? When, it, when it's on us, when we have it, when it's crippling, it's like serving another master, Right? And so then I want us to get a little weird and actually do something about it. Right? We want to get angry, we want to get mad, and then we want to get a little weird. Now on the flip side, when we get weird and make a decision that we're not going to live like everyone else in the world, right? that we're not going to be normal because being in debt like Stanley Johnson here up to our eyeballs is, is normal, God wants us to be weird, right? God wants us to reduce our lifestyle and eliminate that debt that is, that is crippling us from, from pursuing him from top to bottom, right? He wants us to give extravagantly first to him, which we'll talk about in, in next week, and then to ourselves in the form of savings, and then to our children and, and our children's children, as it says in Proverbs later on in chapter 13, the same chapter, Verse 22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, right? Now, I love what, what Dave Ramsey says about money when he says, if you live and give like no one else now, right now in your life, no matter where you are on the spectrum, right, you can live and give like no one else later. Now, old Dave, he's been around for a while, so we've probably heard this quote before, 
but it's so true. And that is what I want to see happen in every person's uh, life who's sitting here or who's watching online this morning, right? We got to start by tackling uh, debt. Now, now here's, a, here's a scary story, right? Back in the early part of 1972, I'm not going to ask you who was alive back then, Right, but back in the early part of 1972, a pharmacist by the name of Walter Cavanaugh and a friend of his bet a, a steak dinner at the fanciest steakhouse in town to see who could accumulate and receive, right, who could receive the most credit cards over the course of one year. All right, so that was the bet. All right, I'm going to bet you a fancy steak dinner to see who can get the most credit cards. And at the end of that year, Kavanaugh won the free steak dinner by applying for, and get this, obtaining 143 credit cards, right? which beat his friends 138 credit cards. Right, they were giving out credit cards like Halloween candy or like, like the foundry gives out candy in the morning before church. Right? But for him, for this Kavanaugh guy, that was only the beginning. Because over the next 30 years, Walter Kavanaugh continued to accumulate as many cards as he could. And today, he proudly holds the, the Guinness World Record with an astounding 1,497 valid credit cards. Right? Almost 1,500 credit cards, all of which amount to a credit line of $1.7 million. I would have guessed a little bit more, but all right, 1.7 million in credit. Now, now today, like today, that's illegal. Like we couldn't go out and make that bet, right? Right? Robbie and I couldn't go say, hey, we're gonna make a bet to see who could do that. We just couldn't do that. Right? But back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, right, credit card companies used to mail out credit cards to anyone and everyone, even to people who not even applied for those credit cards. For example, in 1966. Five Chicago banks banded together, and they mailed out, just in Chicago, five million cards to people who had not asked for them. Right? Some families received up to 15 cards from the same bank. Right? Uh, dead people got cards. Right? Babies got cards. Even a dog named Alice was sent not just one credit card, but four credit cards, one of which arrived with a very fancy letter stating that Alice would be welcomed as a preferred customer at many of Chicago's best restaurants, right? right? The fact is, right, I say all that because there is a foundation laid in our culture for debt, right? It's there, right? It's easy to get into debt, but it's very difficult to get out of it. And the God that we forge our life on does not want us to be in debt. Now, let me zoom out. All right, I, am under, I am not under the impression that all debt is bad debt. Right? Very few of us can pay cash for a house. Right? Unless you won the lottery jackpot yesterday, the, the, the Powerball. And if you did, meet me after service. We're going to talk. All right? We'll have a conversation all right, if you want. Um, all right, so I, I understand. Right? There, there, there's... There's different forms of this, right? I know that sometimes debt is required, but for the vast majority of us, the debt that we are in or that we have, it's just not required. It was by our own making for our own stupid 
reasons, right? It's not necessary, and it's definitely uh, not good, right? I've done this before, but I want to do it uh, again. I I want to ask you, if you are here today in the room, and you have no consumer debt, right, whatsoever, that means you have no leases, uh, not a a dime on credit cards or charge accounts at stores, you have no auto loans, you, you don't have a second mortgage, you have no store credit at, you know, Kohl's or something, uh, everything is paid off except for your house. If that's you, raise your hand. All right? That's awesome. All right? That's awesome. All right? That's what I was going to say. Let's give him a hand, but you already did, right? That is amazing because we need to be more like you. Well, now, for the rest of us, right? I didn't, you notice I didn't raise my hand, right? right? For the rest of us, the most current facts Uh, about debt in America. Just real quick. Overall, Americans are carrying a grand total of 890 million, or billion, I'm sorry, billion with a B, in credit card debt. 890 billion. Meaning if, this this is what gets you right here. If you were alive when Jesus walked the earth, right? Jesus, all right, we just celebrated communion. He went to the cross. He, 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 you know, his body was, 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 was um, crucified for us, right? We celebrated that, right? He went to the cross three days later. He came out of the grave, and then he spent 40 days walking around the earth with his boys, right? You know, he was doing stuff, right? He was teaching. He was starting the church, right? And so if you were alive, just say, just at the end of those 40 days, just to play it conservative, right? If we were alive and... And we spent a million dollars every day from that time to right now. We still, every day, spent a million dollars. We still wouldn't have reached $890 billion. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? Right now, there are more than 600 million active credit cards in the United States. The average American household has over $7,000 in credit card debt. Now, don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. But are you higher or lower than that 7000 Right, one out of every seven Americans has at least 10 credit cards. That means one out of every 10 of us in this room has at least 10 charge accounts that are open and active. Right, this, this stat, or this, uh, these stats remind me of this quote. Take a look at this. There are three kinds of people in this country. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-nots paid for what they haves yet. Right? That's kind of what we're talking about, right? Right, here's another fun fact to start your Sunday off right. I know this is uplifting, right? In America, the, in America, the state of Virginia is ranked fourth in the nation for average, total average amount of household credit card debt. Fourth. Right, and Maryland, just on the other side of the district, uh, is number three. Right? They didn't even look at the district. That's a whole other can of worms. Right, so the DMV is not even doing that great. Right? A lot of us, we're, we're stuck with this debt. Uh, like Scripture says, it's, like a, it's a burden, like chains around our shoulders and around our neck that is keeping us from, from pursuing more, to, from pursuing more of what God wants us to pursue, that adventure that he's called us to have. Right? It weighs on us. It's like an actual burden that we carry around with us. Right, Jesus says in Matthew, we cannot serve God and money, like I said, and debt is like a master that we serve. Now, real quick, I just want you to imagine what it would be like not to have the debt that you have. Right, whatever, not whether big or little, right? Imagine that stress gone, 
not having to deal with payments, not having to worry about money, gone. Imagine less arguing with your spouse about money, right? More money to do things that you actually want to do versus just paying the bills. Right, Christian financial expert Joe Sangle points out that uh, in one of his books, he says this. He says that, that debt is the single greatest cause of stress and financial problems in uh, a marriage, right? We know that, right? We probably have all experienced that. Right? Do you agree with it or, or do you not? Right? He says, I've, I hate this Joe guy. He says, I, I have never had a person say to me, hey, Joe, I obtained a credit card, ran up a huge balance on it, and all of my dreams came true. <laughs> Never, right? Never. So now at Foundry Church, the, the million-dollar question, no pun intended, is this. What lengths would you go to in order to eliminate this crippling debt in your lives, right? Are you willing to get weird and mad, a little angry, right? A recent survey showed that 30% of us, 30% of us would sell an organ to get rid of our debt. Right? One third of us would do this. Right? Some of you, maybe, maybe you're thinking, man, that, that number is kind of low because, I mean, you just, I saw some of you grab your phone, right? You're Googling, what organs can I live without? Right? And I already checked. The answer is, well, nothing easy for sure. Right? You want to keep all those things inside. Right? The same survey also found that 38% of us would take part in a questionable health study to get rid of our debt. Right? That's over one-third. Would take some sketchy medicine, not knowing what it does to get rid of our debt. Tell me that that's not a master. Right? That's not a, a chain weighing us down. Right? They also found that, the same survey, found that 55% of us would be willing to turn our lives into a full-time reality TV show in exchange for all of our debt to be paid off. Right? 55% would have cameras following us 24-7 if we could have our debt paid off. I mean, I, I would do that, but you'd probably, it'd probably be the most boring television show ever, right? It'd just be me sitting there with Barton, cuddling and rolling around on the floor wrestling for like five minutes, and then it would be me taking a nap with him, right? It'd be me saying, hey, mom, can you make me a sandwich? <laughs> and her saying, no, get it yourself. Right? It'd be Christina telling me to take the trash on. That's all the show would be, right? I feel like I always take the trash out, so 90% of the show would be me taking the trash out. <laughs> Did any of you watch the show on uh, Netflix this, well, I don't know, last summer or something, the, the Squid Games, right? right? Squid Games, right? The most popular show in Netflix history, right? The whole premise of the show was that 456 people who had debt, ranging in different amounts, get a chance to play a survivor-type game for a chance to win $450 billion in South Korean money, which is about $35 million in, in U.S. dollars. The only trick is, is if you don't win, you die. Right? That's the show. Right? People love this show so much. It resonated so much that it's the most watched show on Netflix history. Right? It beat out Blue Bloods. <laughs> NCIS. Right? The actual good shows, right? And I say all this to say that we, people, us, right, would do anything to get on a debt 
to get this crippling feeling away from us, to stop having these, these fights with our spouse. We would do anything. But here's the truth, Foundry Church. We are all feeling spent because we keep spending money we don't have. And it feels like there is no way out. Right? We will do anything except for actually stop going into debt. Right? So what do we do? How do we end this, this vicious cycle? Right? That, that's the onion that we have to peel today. And what if I told you that you could get out of debt without giving a kidney, right? without taking some shady medication, without becoming the sixth Kardashian, I can't even say her, Kardashian sis, Kardashian sister. Right? What, what if we could, we could get out of debt without having to do those things, right? right? God has a very simple debt reduction plan, and I want us to look at it today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Now, if you don't have your Bibles, please use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are for you to take, to have, to use, to give away. Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 11, it's like right in the middle of your Bible, Use the table of contents if you have to. Proverbs is uh, kind of right in the middle, depending on how many notes your Bible has. All right, Proverbs 6, 1 through 11. We're going to look at this today. It says this. It says, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Right? Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Right? Just keep, your, your, keep it open there. Your Bible open to that, that section of Scripture. We're going to refer back to it. Now, I love this passage in Proverbs. One, because it reminds me of all my football coaches yelling at me for doing stupid things back in the day. Right To this day, I believe football coaches are some of the most creative people on the planet. Especially those football coaches who have made a commitment to themselves not to use cuss words. Right? They are some of the most creative people in this world. I tell you what, right, the, the creative names that some of my college football coaches called me to get me to pay attention live rent-free in my head. Probably will be there for the rest of my life. One of my favorites was a, a coach in his frustration. Right? He was like, ah, ah, like trying not to cuss for like five minutes. And then all the only thing he could get out of his mouth was, nutter butter. You're a nutter butter. And I was like, huh. So my 19-year-old self said, Coach, I don't even know what that means, which didn't help the situation. <laughs> right? right? 
And here in this passage that we just read out loud, it, it talks about a father who was just as frustrated. He's like, ah, ooh, ah, right? For, for a son that he has who's making these stupid choices, he calls him a sluggard like three times, right? He's so frustrated, right? He's just, ah, that's the same feeling. And I imagine that sometimes that is how God looks at us with our debt, right? Just, ah, the frustration. He's so frustrated with us. And he, he wants the best for us, but we keep making poor choices right just like the son in the passage the the son in proverbs has essentially he he has a debt that he's become responsible for and and things are not looking good right and so the father he chimes in with some advice for his stupid son and i think it's the advice that we can find uh some answers to the question that we have about getting uh, our way out of debt so let's, let's start by looking at verse 3. Go ahead and look at verse 3 there. Now, underline the word hasten, right? If you're reading from the NIV version of the Bible, it will say to the point of exhaustion, right? Underline that word, right? right? I, I love the message paraphrase and how they put it. They say, they say this, right? They say, don't waste a minute. Get yourself out of that mess You're in that man's clutches. Go and put a long face on. Act desperate. Now, no matter what translation we're holding or paraphrase paraphrase that we're reading from, we get the point. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Right? The father is saying to his son, do whatever it takes. Fix this mess. In the the Hebrew, you can write this in next to to that word. It literally means to throw yourself down. To throw yourself down on the ground. That's some powerful imagery, isn't it? You just throw yourself down. You fall at the feet of the person who has gotten you into this mess. Do whatever it takes. Grovel, some translations say. Have you ever had to literally grovel before? Right? Have you ever had to beg someone just to do the right thing? You know, one of my, you, you guys are all going to judge me today by my TV shows. One of my favorite TV shows that I like to watch at night when I just don't, like, I'm, I don't want to read anything, I don't want to watch it, anything that makes me think, right, is uh, uh, the show Everybody Loves Raymond. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Has anyone seen that show? It's an older one. It's one of my favorite shows to watch when I don't want to think when I just don't want to process is just on like Christina's you know getting ready for bed or something right I'm still out in the living room watching tv right it's one of those feel-good shows and one of my favorite episodes is when uh, Ray and Deborah the main couple in the show get back from a vacation and when they get back from that vacation Deborah leaves her suitcase on the landing asking her husband Raymond to take it up to uh, the bedroom upstairs and it just sits there all right have anyone seen this episode it just sits there right and she asks him again and, and nothing happens it's been two weeks and the bag is still there on the landing of the staircase and and she's begging him to take it up the stairs she even unpacks the suitcase but leaves it there in a passive uh, aggressive attempt to get ray to do the right thing and carry the bag upstairs to the closet. At one point, she even puts cheese inside of the bag to make the bag smell so that when Ray walks by, he has to, he has to like, see what the smell is and pick it up and 
take care of it. She is doing whatever it takes to get Ray to carry the bag upstairs. Right? She is begging him in every way possible. That is what we should picture. Right? What should come to our mind when we read verse 3 in this, this passage, doing whatever it takes to get out of debt, no matter how much work, no matter how stinky it may be, no matter how humbling it may be. Again, right? And then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, right? Literally, throw yourself down, do what it takes, humble yourself, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Right? That, that, that image is what we should be looking at. Right? We, we must be willing to throw ourselves at the feet of our debt and pay it back. Right? And that's the first lesson. Right? We've got to humble ourselves. Right? That's, that's the first thing we've got to do, or the first thing we learn from this section of Scripture. We've got we to gotta humble ourselves. Right? We're, we're going to have to swallow our pride to get out of debt. Right? We must downgrade our lifestyle. We, we must go without. We must live within our means. We might even have to sell stuff. It's humbling to climb out of debt, but it's so worth it, and you feel like a hero on the other side of it. You know, my in-laws are some of the best budgeters uh, 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 people that I know. They are great with money. Right, some of the best people that I know with money. Uh, they, they work hard at staying on track, saving and paying all their bills on time. They, they do it in a great fashion, in a great way. And sometimes it's a humbling experience. Right? Christina always tells about uh, going to the zoo with her family when she was a little kid. And everyone was walking around with those giant, colorful, slushy cups with the crazy straws. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? They're, they're ridiculous, right? They're like 20, 25 bucks, whatever, for one of those cups, right? They're, they're crazy, and, they're, and they have really cool, fun straws and colors as to, to get other kids to say, Mom, I want one of those. And that is exactly what Christina and her sister Diana did all day at the zoo, Mom, Dad, can we get one of those cups, right? And to Bob and Mary Alice's credit, right, they, they were like, no, right? right? We have a budget, and we're going to stick to it. Here, take these water bottles that we brought from home and go to the drinking fountain and fill them up, right? And I'm sure they didn't want to do that. I'm sure they, they thought, oh, the cups are kind of cool, right? But they, they stuck to it. Right? Their parents did the humbling thing, but the right thing. They pointed Christina and Diana in the direction of that water fountain. Right? They prepared for that struggle. Right? They brought the water bottles with them. Right? Did her parents like saying no? Probably not. Maybe her mom. She's a little mean. <laughs> right? But they chose the right thing. They chose to save money. And you know what? My wife and her sister Diana, they didn't have to pay for college with loans because of these humbling choices that my in-laws made, right? Over and over again, they chose humility to set their family up for success. And for the record, right, it was pretty nice that they thought ahead and brought the water bottles because my parents would have been like, just drink your spit, <laughs> right? right? If we were at the zoo at all, right? So it could always be worse, all right? That's... Let's look at our, uh, let's read on a little bit here at our next lesson. In verse 6, the father starts talking about ants, all right? <laughs> and boom, instantly, our second lesson, all right? He says this, he says, be an ant. Look 
to the ant, right? We all know the parable of the ant and the grasshopper. There's like a Pixar movie about it. The ant, just like, like in this passage, right, would, would work all summer. They, they, would, they would work and toil, and when come fall, the, the harvest, right? They would, they would harvest, and they would survive the winter because of their hard work earlier on. Essentially, it means live frugal today, all right, so that uh, come the hard times, you have something to survive on. Right, my, my family, Christina and I, we just moved into a larger apartment. Uh, my mom moved in, and we needed some extra space. So we, we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and, and, and we finally, um, a three-bedroom in the same complex became available. So we, we moved in. And here's the thing, right? right? My wife is awesome. Right, Christina's awesome. She is an amazing decorator, and she loves to make a warm and welcoming environment for everyone who comes and visits. I'm like, just give me a TV and a lawn chair, right? <laughs> right, right. But but here's the thing about Christina, right? She's not really patient about this decorating thing, right? She wants it to be to be uh, every space to be right right at that moment, like right now, right? When we moved in, she had the whole place unpacked in two days. Like everything unpacked. Like we moved in on a Saturday. By Sunday night when we went to bed, every last pair of underwear was in its right spot. <laughs> everything, right? She had unpacked that quick, right? And then she made a list, right? A really long list of everything that we needed now that we had more room. And we were in a different space, right? And here's the problem with this list. It costs money, right? Right? And there's no fun stuff on the list. There's nothing fun on there, right? If I was making a list, I'm like, you know, deer season's coming. Maybe a new rifle, right? You know, something cool, right? Right? She had, like, shelves and, and bins, right? Bins, right? Just weird, non-fun stuff. Right, she, she wants a, a day bed for the third bedroom and shelves for that room because it is also now her office. She wants a new couch or, or slip covers because they apparently, the, the couch that we have doesn't look right in the new space. And as she was getting anxious about all this, and I asked her if I could say all this, right, and we sat down together on one of our date nights and she told me about how she wants everything to be, all her dreams for this space and her new office, and I had to say to her, mm. Those things, uh, they'll happen. We'll get there, but they're not going to happen right away. Right? We have to kind of save up a little bit for them. Maybe get some of the cool stuff first. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> get some of the cool stuff first, right? No, I, I mentioned this author, Larry Bucket. Um, I mentioned him earlier, but he said, he said it like this, right? You've all heard something like this. We spend the first five to seven years of marriage, and she pointed out that we've been married longer than that. Um, trying to attain the same standard of living as our parents, only it took them 35 years to do it, right? That's just a microchasm, right? We, we are in this huge rush to have just what our neighbor has or just what our parents have or just what our best friend at school has. We want to have a home that looks like those people on Instagram or we want to have a car that looks like the one that we saw on, on TV. We want our kids to wear the clothes that, that all their friends are wearing because we don't want them to feel uh, left out, right? You know, one time Christina saw a cookie jar on Instagram that Kim Kardashian made of Oreos. And she's like, that's really pretty. Like, it was organized weird. And we're like, yeah, we can do that. We can put that in the house. It lasted like 30 minutes before we ate all the cookies. 
It's supposed to be a decoration. <laughs> I just thought of that. But here's the thing, right? We're reading this. We're reading this proverb, and it's telling us to be like an ant. And what's the ant doing? The ant's doing this. It's slowing down, right? And the ant did not get his harvest in the summer. Right? He didn't just get everything all at once, right? He worked for it. He, he toiled for it. He saved for it. And then it came in bigger than he could imagine. Right? Some of us, myself included, have a wish list on Amazon that is a mile long. And if we slowed down, we just took a breath, maybe we would realize that, that those things are not that important. Right? Do, I, do I really need the new couch? Do I really need to wear Lululemon clothes? All right? do, do I really need the newest iPhone? Right? Do, do we really need to go on the second uh, summer vacation or even the first? It is about priorities. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying it's about priorities and what is truly important, right? Not, not what the world around us is telling us is important, right? But what you and the God that you're forging your life on tells you for your family, for you, is important or is needed. Guys, there are some real soul-searching that we need to do, right? What are we storing up for? Are we storing anything up, right? Now, go ahead in your Bibles, jump down to verse 9. Right, this is where, where the dad really breaks it down for his son, and we learn our final lesson. Right? He says, get off thy buttocks, right? right? Get off thy, that's the King James version of saying it. Right, it says, how can you sleep in when you are in debt? Get off your buttocks, right? Get out and find a job. Find that extra money, right? I know a guy who lost his job. He can't, he can't find another. Meanwhile, his wife has gone out and got a third job. And I asked him, what do you do all day when, you're, when your wife works these three jobs? Uh, two jobs, I'm sorry. And he looks at me. He says, I mainly cook. I garden. I lounge around. Been catching up on movies, right? Listen to the insanity of these words in these verses again, right? You can't do what that guy, <laughs> guy is doing, right? How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Right? During this series, I'm going to ask you to commit each Sunday... So a number of things that will help you win with money. And here's the first one, right? All right? Write this down. Take a picture of it. Commit to attack and pay off all consumer debt. Just do it, right? Because you, gotta, you, you don't want to serve two masters. You don't want this weight on you. Are you willing to commit today to make that happen? Are you willing to get to, to work? Are you willing to attack and with God's power through his spirit, right, break these chains of debt that are in your life. Because if you are, I, I want to end real quick today by quickly going over some practical things that you can do to get off thy buttocks and make things happen. The first, like we already said, is stop going into debt. Right? All right? And I know that that is not what this world is teaching us. Right? right? But it, this is what God says, Right? If you have a credit card, maybe it's a good time now to take that out of your wallet. 
all right? Pull Dave Ramsey on it where he cuts it up or at least hide it somewhere, right? Remove the temptation. Take that option and stop going into debt. The second thing is this, and that is tithe, and we're going to dig into that next week, right? One of the first things that people do when they, when they are going to get out of debt is that they stop giving. But here's the truth. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, right? And I, I make no apologies about that, right? Because here's the truth, the reason that we get into debt in the first place, the reason that we have these burdens on us in the first place is because God isn't in control of our finances, right? We didn't forge our whole life on God in that, in that area, right? That's why we're in debt in the first place, right? So don't stop giving, right? Because we need him involved, Right? That's the only way that we're going to be successful. We need him involved now more than ever. We need his blessing, his power, his insight, his creativity. His math is not like our math. Right? So you need him. Right? So take that step of giving to him first. Remind yourself every time that you give that it is his money anyways. And, he wants, and who wants to go into debt with God's money? I don't. I've been there. Right? It's not good. Right? Now, three, right? All right, simply to get on debt. And we have a ton of resources on the bookshelf for you to take today for this. Rank your debts from smallest to largest and pay the smallest one first using the debt snowball. All right, we all have heard of this. All right, sum up the total payments that you have. All right, you, you pay your debts, you pay the smallest one first. And then once you pay that off, you don't say, woohoo, right? More Taco Bell money, <laughs> right? Whatever. No, you, you take that payment and you put it towards that next debt. And so you build a small snowball to pay off these debts, right? You keep paying that $2,000 if that's what your total number of debt is, right? You keep doing that. And then fourth, you create that monthly budget. And again, resources out there, websites like youneedabudget.com, right? The book that's out there on the shelf will help you tremendously, right? There's, there's a total money makeover out there. There's, there's the legacy Dave Ramsey's legacy book that's out there that talks about saving and, and getting out of this debt, right? Hey, John Maxwell puts it like this. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. <laughs> I know, for me at least, at the end, towards the end of the month, I'm always like, man, where did all the money go? <laughs> now, let, let me say this. Right? The people who need to create a budget, because I know some of you are thinking, ah, I make a lot. I live in Northern Virginia. I'm one of those double, you know, I don't know what you guys call yourselves. The, you got the military income and then the, you're double dipping, right? Now, I get pushed back on this every time I preach on money. But the people who need a budget more than anybody else are the people who are making more than anyone else. Right? If you are making more than $100,000 in your household, right? Right? You, you need the budget more, right? That is because when, when, when enough money is coming in, you stop worrying and you end up wasting a little bit here and a, a little bit there, right? It's just the way it is, right? But listen, a, a lack of worry does not create a lack of accountability. You are a steward of that money that's God's money, right? If you're forging your life on God, it's his money, right? And he wants you to maximize that for his kingdom and for your family, Right? And so when was the last time you created a monthly budget and every dollar had a name? Right? Losing an extra 300, 500 bucks a month may seem like nothing to you when you're making good money. I get it. Right? But, but what about the, 
the, the missions that we support and the kids that are a part of those missions, right? That are in, in Zimbabwe or in Haiti, right? Or, or, or the, the, the 75 families that come weekly to the food pantry, right? That 300 to 500 could go a long way for them. Right, we have a ton of resources at the tables to help with this budgeting thing. Right? Make sure you check those out. Now, the final thing, or the, the fifth thing here, is live on beans and rice. And that's just my way of saying, do what you have to do. Let me explain. Before I got married, you know, the, the, really the last time that I actually had money. Uh, I kid, I kid. Uh, all right. but, but way back in the day, before we got married, before we even engaged, I was saving up for an engagement ring, and I was... I was working as an intern in Cleveland, of all places, and I didn't have much money to begin with, so there wasn't much to save, but for that entire time I was there at that church, I lived off of, of like, nothing, like beans and rice, peanut butter and jelly for like every single meal. I splurged, and I bought pizza rolls one time, right? Like, not the fancy, like, ones from my actual restaurant, but like, you know, like, Tosquito pizza rolls, Right? Right, for, the, for the entire summer, I, I lived off all that junk. I did not eat out unless someone else invited me. Right? I, I, I did not buy anything that I did not need. I just saved. I saved and I saved. Now, this is extreme, I'll admit. Right? I will also admit that it's a little weird, but right, God's calling us to do some weird things for a season. Right? And I'll also admit that this is not the way to go for everyone, but I will say this. We've got to do whatever it takes. Like when we're in debt. Right? We've got we to be that amp. We got to get off thy buttocks, right? We're feeling spent, right? Because we overspend. Why not take that feeling away and go in the other direction? Why not feel peace because we're we're underspending, right? We're we're saving some. Something we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. Why not do the weird thing? Now let me invite the band to come back up here. And you know, you know, this month I challenged. All of you, your families, to complete that thankfulness pumpkin. And, and Christina had already mentioned that earlier. And, and to, be, to be safe here, I mean, she threw me under the bus there. But uh, we write them in a journal, too, sometimes. All right. Um, every day, let me challenge, just every day, right? Make that commitment to get out of all consumer debt, right? That, that, that stupid Kohl's. Charge account, Target, whatever, right? The, the car payments, the, the credit card that you only use for, you know, Cabela's or something, right? The stuff you don't need, like, just get out of that. But also, take time to be thankful, right? Write on that pumpkin with your family. Write in a, a journal. Every day as a family, write down two or three things that you are thankful for. That means by the end of the month, we're, you're going to have almost 100 or more things that you are thankful for as a family. Almost 100 things that God has blessed your family with. Almost 100 things that we can find happiness in. Why do we think we need more? Why do we think that those things are not enough? And maybe we need to kind of slow down and we need to stop spending and just live off of those 100 things for a little while. Just for a season, maybe. And then finally, right, pray for creativity and wisdom. Right, the, the fact is that we need to make this a matter of our daily prayer, right? Sometimes, when, you know, we're like those crusaders who were baptized 
but they, they still wanted it to fight and crusade. So they were baptized with their sword and their arm out of the water, thinking that that was okay. They'll just go to heaven without their arm. And sometimes we do that with our wallet, right? We just do. What if we ask for creativity and ideas and the energy to attack this debt that we have? Watch what happens. Man, I'm telling you, watch what happens. Watch who God brings into our lives. Watch out for the kind of discipline that God brings into your life as you forge a lifelong reliance on him. Man, I want to I finish today by asking you to commit to do two more things. All right, keep adding to it. All right, first, attack all that consumer debt. All right, pay that off. Do that, right? Get with your wife today. Get with your husband today and say, we're going to do this. We're going to tighten up a little bit, right? And then as a family, you're going to commit to write down some of those things that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for, right? And then I want you to do this. I want, I, want you to, I want you to commit to be here the next two weeks. You know, I don't get a lot of people that are out sick. But normally when I, when I start a giving series that first Sunday, well, second Sunday there's a lot of people gone. All right? No, 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 one, no one's going to want to get sick this next week <laughs> in this church. <laughs> I'm going to get texted. I'm really traveling. It was already planned. <laughs> Be here the next two weeks, all right? Be here as we, as we go through November and we do some service projects as a church, like on the 20th, and, and we're going to do one for the food pantry together as well, all right? Be here the next two weeks as we talk about money because so often... We're like those crusaders. We hold our wallet kind of outside of the, you know, and we say, hey, Jesus, you have me. You have me, but not my wallet. We keep it over here. So be here the next two weeks. Let's stand together. Let's worship our God, the God that we're forging our life on, and be committed to forging our life on him from top to bottom and everything in between. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is all-sufficient sacrifice, so freely given such a price, but our redemption, heaven's gates swing There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, 
Break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sing a crimson stain he washed it white as snow let's sing that together church Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain white as snow he washed it white as snow as uh there's nothing special about me right there's nothing special about our our, our leaders or an elders right we we very much believe in a new testament christianity and in a church that was started in the book of acts right right there's there's no hierarchy. We're all in this together. But as a leader of this local outpost of the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, we're, we wouldn't tell you to do this, encourage you to do this, preach these scriptures if us as a church have done this, right? This church is debt-free, right? right? We're, we're, we're debt-free, right, as a church. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Right? And we have an a, a, a outside stewardship team that, that manages our, our, our books and, and, and yells at me if I spend too much. Right? Her name's Sarah. She lives in Chicago. I don't like her calling me. Right? Right? But the, so we're in this together. Right? And it's so that we can take ground as the local outpost. We're, we're free, we're, we're able to move, we don't have these chains that are holding us down or holding us back, right? And so that's where we are, and, and the next two weeks we're going to dig into even more, and some more of the cooler stuff about giving, and about saving, and about uh, how it's good to leave an inheritance, and so that takes planning, and it takes work, and it takes the creativity of the Spirit of God that is at work within us, and so... Be here. Write on your pumpkins this week. Right? Sit with your spouse and say, you know what? Let's kick this crap to the curb. Alright, let's free ourselves. Alright, let's 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 do something for ourselves and give to the church and and save for ourselves and save for our kids and and partner with ministries that are just gonna bring the light and the grace of this savior that we forge our life on to this world. It's hard. Like we said, it's humbling.
but it's so worth it. You know, one of my, I'm going off script, but one of, uh, one of my dad, my dad, when he lived here, had a friend, his name was Habib, and Habib drove a taxi, and, and Habib's funny because Habib, uh, he's an engineer, he was from Iran, and he left, uh, he fled from political drama, and he came here, and he worked for IBM, and he retired, and he had a good life, and then as Habib says in his own words, I have a dumb kid who can't pick a major, <laughs> and so he, he started driving a taxi uh, to pay for his kid's college, and because, uh, you know, I, I, I love when I see Habib, because I still see him driving around, he doesn't drive a taxi anymore, his son finally picked his major, <laughs> right, but he lives across the street, and uh, I, I love when I see Habib, because because there was a man who, who was retired, and he said, you know what? I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to do the humbling thing. I'm going to do what I have to. All right? I love that guy. Right? I, I love those stories, right? It's just like, it's not about me. It's about my son. It's about, you know, being free from this debt, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to you know, pay for it. That kind of, it just we got to celebrate that, and we can do that ourselves. Let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for who you are always. We thank you so much for your lordship in our lives, Lord. And so go with us today as we forge ahead, as we give you all that we have and all that we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.